What's up, folks of Gator Country? This is none other than your boy, David Soderquist, along with Andrew Spivey. And unfortunately, we have to do this podcast today because I know a lot of you fans out there are a little ticked off. I'm a little ticked off. I know Spivey over there doesn't look happy either, except for the fact that his Braves won this this weekend here. But uh, a little bit of good news for him, I guess. But yeah, Florida goes into LSU Tiger Stadium here and just lays an egg again, man. Loses 42 to 49, and I can't say they completely laid an egg, but as far as defensively, defensive wise, uh, just looked awful, man. I don't know why. I had this sneaky suspicion in the back of my mind this game was going to be tough. Um, I, you know, I had said on uh, podcasts on Friday, you know, if this team came out very hot, and just put, you know, put it on LSU early and gave these guys a lot of doubt. I thought the game could be a blowout. But I I had a feeling that Florida would come out slow like they always do, and they would come out slow like they always do at 11 o'clock, the Baton Rouge Rouge time. And, And they did. And they get the they get the um, the block punt from Jordan Pouncey, and you think, man, this game, this is some changes about to happen here. Well, Florida goes down. They score a touchdown, but they miss the PAT, and then they allow LSU to just come back and continue to march. And uh, Tyreen uh, Price Davis, I mean, uh, LSU record two hundred eighty-seven yards, the most rushing yards ever by a running back against Florida, breaking a, a record Herschel Walker had. Um, and they give up 454 yards to an LSU team that has not been very good. Um, 321 of those on uh, on the ground. And 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 David, it wasn't it wasn't a complex scheme. They were running. They were running yeah. a simple counter play, and then they were running a simple lead play with zone blocking. And they were allowing Florida's defenders to take themselves out of the play. Um, they they did what they they used Florida against theirself. Florida's problem this year and in past years have been the defensive line defensive ends shoot up the field with no contain. It's been an issue for years, and it continued on Saturday where they allowed those guys to shoot up the field, and that was cool because the tackle just pushed him aside. David Price would just cut it up underneath him, and boom, he had eight, nine, ten yards. I mean, the, the man averaged eight yards a rush. Yeah, that's That the- simply cannot happen. This is an LSU team that's banged up. I mean, banged up. They don't even have their best running back in John Emery play. And this is Max Johnson, who has a noodle of an arm, threw for 133 yards. But, I, I mean, for the majority of them, I felt like it was dink and dunk down the field, uh, play action passes. Um, Diabate said after the game, you know, he said, uh, we made the adjustments we were told to make, kind of calling out Grantham and Christian Robinson and those guys because there was no adjustments to be made. They didn't, they didn't have any. They didn't know what to do. Yeah. It was a simple counterplay. I got an idea for you. Tell your guys to play assignment football. Put guys in at, at defensive tackle who can clog the gap and have your safeties understand not to run upfield too much, but to be ready in the hole. Yeah, um, it, it's just terrible, man. Uh, Florida would have 488 total yards, zero penalties. We got on to penalties like the last two weeks. They 
you know, zero penalties, 488 yards of offense, and still manages to lose the game by seven points. It's one step forward, two steps backwards. It's it's every time with this program, David. This this program will fix one issue, and another issue arises. It was like last year; they would fix the run. They would fix the run defense. Pass defense sucked. Then they nope. fix the pass defense in practice, and the run defense was sucked. Uh, they're fixing penalties now. Guess what? Now they can't run the ball because the guys can't get off the ball. Ethan White and Garage were whipped all day long. Oh yeah, they by BJ Ojolari and Glenn Logan. I mean, uh, Ojolari had a career day against Garage. I mean, multiple times just flying by him. You know, Garage not even touching him. Now, maybe Garage isn't 100%. I don't know. Uh, but the physicality of this football team, David, from week one, week two, and week three is gone. Yep. There's no physicality of this football team anymore. I, I don't know what went on after that Tennessee game, but whatever went wrong after that Tennessee game, whatever has happened to this team, it's gone. The physicality of this football team is gone. There's no more physicality up front from this offensive line to where they're getting to the second, they're getting to the third level, and they're just pushing people around. It's gone. It's gone. This team threw for 350 yards on Saturday. That's great. That's absolutely great. But that's not the identity of this football team. No. Florida historically has had great defenses in the past. And right now, Florida has broken defensive records last year that were bad. Now this year, they're breaking even more defensive records that are bad. And this is all ever since Todd Grantham's got here. And if you go to Todd Grantham's history, I'm going to get, uh, let me get started on Todd Grantham. Look at his history at Louisville, at Georgia, at all these other schools that he was defensive coordinator. The defenses have gradually gotten worse each and right. every single year. So I don't understand why firing a couple of assistants and keeping Todd Grantham helps you improve this defense because obviously it hasn't done it. You know, the first three games, I, 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 you know, I started changing my mind and started saying, well, maybe this defense is starting to click. Maybe it was COVID from 2020. Maybe I just need to slow my roll. Now, six, three more games into the season, I'm saying we're seeing the same things from last year. This defense is gradually getting worse, worse, and worse ever since the year has gone on. They have not gotten better. Uh, other teams are studying Florida's defensive schemes, their offensive schemes. And they're, they're pushing everybody up front. Florida's not able to run the football now. They know Emory Jones can't pass the ball. And I'll get into Emory Jones. I love Emory Jones to death. But right now, we'll get into the quarterback thing. Uh, right now, teams are stacking the box. And they know that Florida cannot play good defense on the ground. So now, they're, you know, LSU just ran draw plays all game. The same play for, I don't know how many times, it seemed like 20 times, right down the middle. Uh, you know, it, it seemed like LSU, whenever they wanted to get a 5, 10, 8, 20-yard chunk, they could just hand the ball off and do it. I mean... The thing is, is they were dragging guys as well. Yeah. And the, the issue is a couple things here. First of all, if it, it, you know, changing staff members only works to a certain amount. If the yeah. scheme sucks, it sucks. I mean, it just is what it is. And the scheme hasn't been very good. Uh, you've gotten away with it earlier in the year uh, to some extent because of some good players. But here's the thing, David, and this is what everybody forgets. And, and it's on Todd Grantham, too. Yeah. But it comes back to one thing, David. You know the answer to that? What's that? Starts with an R. Yeah. I mean, I mean, recruiting. Recruiting. 
It all starts with recruiting, David. You have no linebackers on this football team anymore. When Ventro Miller left or got hurt, you had zero, David, zero true middle linebackers. Diabate, not a middle linebacker. Jeremiah Moon, one of my favorite players, not a middle linebacker. Tyron Hopper, not a middle linebacker. Derek Wingo, eh, maybe not playing because they don't trust him or he hasn't developed enough. You have zero. Zero, David. Yeah. How are you in year four of your off? I mean, of your program, and you have zero true middle linebackers after your starting senior linebacker who should be gone if it wasn't for COVID. You have zero. Yeah. I love Jeremiah Moon to death. I love Diabate to death. Both of them are good players. They shouldn't be playing Mike linebacker. No. You don't stop football teams when you have no linebackers. And the thing is, the linebackers have still not filled a gap correctly in four years. Uh, I mean, what was it? Ventral Miller's probably our best run-stopping linebacker, and now he's hurt out for the right. season. So who do you got? Like, who do you have? I mean, you're playing three guys. You're playing Hopper, Diabate, and uh, Moon. Yeah. You're not playing Wingo, whatever that is. I don't – I mean, I've heard he hasn't developed very well. Okay, cool. Well, developing is on you because you're supposedly developing football t- or coaching staff, whatever – what what is the issue? I mean, and I, I say this, and I, and I'm not trying to get down on players. You have three defensive tackles who transferred in. They transferred in for a reason. Yep. They didn't transfer in because they were great football players everywhere else. They transferred in because they were either beat out, one gonna play, or something another. They transferred in. They're not making the plays. Gervin Dexter, eh, he, he had some okay plays. But again, he lost a lot of playing time to the three transfer guys. Des Watson, Watson didn't play at all. Didn't play at all on Saturday. Yeah. Don't understand that. I mean, you know, clogged the gap a little bit. I, I, I don't know. It all goes back to recruiting, though, David, and that is – that, that is the end-all, end-all. They, 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 it, there's no getting around it. At the end of the day, it's all about recruiting. You have – to have depth or you don't win in this league right and talk about offensive line and recruiting um i was talking to i think i believe it was will miles in in, in private message and he said that and in minus tony livingston it may not have been will miles probably somebody else I, I forget who i was talking to but they said minus tony livingston john hevesy at a star level has not recruited past a four or three star offensive line or offensive tackle unless it's came from the portal in, in high school. Well, and Tony Livingston's not an offensive lineman. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> he's That's a tight it. end. <laughs> right. Exactly. He's, uh, he's a basketball he don't play. player. Basketball and player. he's not even playing with his team right now. Right. Yeah. So, anyway, man, it, like you said, it comes down to recruiting. And I said it on Twitter. I said, this is what happens when Miami's down, Florida State's down, and you don't take advantage of them, both those programs being down, and get the guys that are in-state, the elite prospects that are in-state, are still going to Alabama, they're still going to Clemson, they're still going to Georgia. Georgia, they're just cherry-picking from your own state, a state that you should be able to go up to a recruit and say, hey, look, your family can come down here 100 miles, 50 miles, one, maybe even 150 at the most, travel to see you play just about every game. Instead, they're all flying out to see their families play a game in Alabama, Tuscaloosa, uh, in South Carolina, and in Georgia, they're traveling four to 500 miles to see their kids play as opposed to just traveling 50 or 100 because they don't want to come to the University of Florida. 
and and that that's a problem. I mean, like you, you're most of the talent comes from the from the state of Florida. We all know that. Why can't you get any elite recruits from here? Well, I mean, it goes back to a couple things. Don't recruit well. You guys don't build good relationships there. I mean, it's well, it, 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 the thing. Here's is, the thing. The thing is this: stop though. with the excuses that it's it's the facilities. Yeah. First of all, you've got way more facilities right now than any previous coach at Florida's ever had. More than Miami. More than Miami's got. You got an indoor practice facility that you can show off that's about to be there. So stop, stop, just, just, just stop with the excuses. Um, and, and we'll get into more of that in a minute. That's defensively, offensively. What's going on? Like, where is Dan Mullen, the football coach who schemed up a great game against Alabama last year, Georgia last year, Alabama this year? Where's that guy? Yeah. Yeah, you don't see it. Plus, we'll get on the offense. Let's do this. I want to get into quarterback play. It's, the okay. big, it's going to be the big talk right now, quarterback play. Anthony Richardson comes into this game. Struggling Emory Jones, he throws two picks. One of them was a pick six. Um he puts Anthony Richardson in around 14 minutes and 21 seconds in the third quarter. This is right after halftime, right after Emory throws a pick, right after we get the ball. Uh, he puts Anthony Richardson in, and he starts Anthony Richardson the rest of the game. Anthony Richardson, for two quarters, would lead the team in total passing yards, 167. Total rushing yards, he would lead, 37. Total touchdowns, he would lead, three. He wouldn't come into the game, like I said, until 14 minutes and 12 seconds in the third quarter. He would also account for 29 of the 42 points, which is 70% almost of the points scored all game. He would also score 29 points in 13 minutes and 21 seconds, less than one quarter. Why isn't this kid starting at quarterback? Mm, I mean, uh, I have to I have to think about I mean, I don't have to think about this. I have to slow my roll about this for a second. I think there's a couple things here. I think there's a couple things in play. First of all, Dan Mullen has not put Emory Jones in a good position to win a football game yet. Yeah. And that's on Dan. Second thing, I I don't know that answer. I, I wish I knew that answer. I, I don't know that answer. I will say this, and I said this. Anthony had two picks too, and both of those were – Really bad throws. Ill-advised throws, yeah. But I will say this, and 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 it's and it's always you know your backup quarterback's always your favorite guy on the team. That's just that's is what it is. Um, the team did now whether or not it was because they were down, you know, in this game, and then Anthony came in. The team did look more energized, yeah, when Anthony Richardson came in the game. But well, the, the thing about did. it is, I don't know. I don't know why it is, but Dan turned the playbook loose when Anthony came in. So th- there's a couple of questions that have to be asked here, David. And I, and I, and I don't mean to you filibuster your question, yeah. but th- there's a couple of questions that have to be asked. And that is, does Mullen trust Anthony more with the playbook than Emory? That's question one. Mm-hmm. Question two is, if that is the answer is yes, why is he not starting? If the answer is no, then why don't Emory have the entire playbook? Because you can't tell me the playbook Anthony Richardson had and the playbook Emory Jones had was the same. I'm not trying to be an Emory apologist because stats speak for itself and he didn't play well. Yeah. 
But he doesn't have – both quarterbacks are not given the same opportunities in the same playbook. And it's confusing to me. It's frustrating to me. And, yeah, it's just frustrating. Well, let me ask you this. Are the plays being executed better by Anthony Richardson than they are by Emory Jones? A lot of times I saw yesterday where Emory Jones would progress through his reads, would get confused, take off running with the football, or do something, do whatever else. When Anthony Richardson was in the game, he was able to look off safeties. He was able to go through his reads quick, toss the football where it needed to go, and it was, for the most part, pretty accurate. Yeah, he threw two picks. Uh, my opinion here is this, and, and, and you can answer that question in a second. My opinion is this, is, is, is Emory Jones, obviously, he, I, and I love Emory Jones to death. I, I'm not going to say he's a bad quarterback. I don't think he's a bad quarterback. I don't think he's the quarterback that you need for this team right now, the way that they're playing on defense, to win football games. Emory Jones is not a guy that's going to dig you out of a 14 to 21 to 28 point hole and lead his team back to a victory or or even tie the game. Anthony right. Richardson's the type of guy that, yeah, he's going to have his warts. He's he's It's going to be pretty much his first year starting as well. He's going to make his mistakes. But what do you do now? So, you know, Anthony well, Richardson... The, the thing is this. Here's what you have to do. And I'm sorry to cut you off. I I, I just I get fired up. <laughs> uh, we're all fired up here today. What is next year? This year's gone. Yeah, exactly. This year's gone. What is next year? Is next year Emory Jones your starting quarterback or is Anthony Richardson your starting quarterback next year? Because here's the thing, and remember this, whichever guy you pick, the other guy's probably going to transfer. And that's not me starting rumors or anything else. That's facts. That's the day and age we live in. Sorry, it just is. Don't think for a second if Anthony Richardson is a starter, Emory's not looking for other places to play. It'd be dumb on Emory's part. Don't don't think for a second it's the opposite way around. If Emory doesn't, or if Emory starts and Anthony doesn't start the rest of the year, don't think for a second Anthony's not going to look for other places to play. Um, so it's a question that has to be asked. I think the answer is pretty simple here. Um, I think though, I think it's this too, David, and and, and I may and I mean this. Again, I know I sound like an Emory apologist, and I'm not trying to be. But, yes, this is a quarterback problem. But, yes, this is an offense problem for Florida. Yeah. This offense is not very good. There's not a receiver on this team that can get open. When you look at the game in the first half, even in the second half at times, nobody was getting open. Nobody was getting open. Uh, You know, Emory does throw some balls behind it. Anthony did throw some balls behind it. The receivers give them no help. There's no help. There's no separation. Yeah, I think I saw one. Guess what? It goes back to one thing, David. Recruiting. Recruiting. Yeah, and I think I saw one play where they got separation. That was that Jacob Copeland pass for touchdown that tied the game 42-42. Uh, I believe that yeah. one was the only play I saw some kind of separation on. And that Even was a the double ball, move. And it, and, and, and it was a double move. And it, it, the ball was kind of late a little bit on that play, too, but still made it from uh, Anthony Richardson. And, and my thing is this. Anthony Richardson gives you the best chance to win football games right now. And, and that's not me saying that Emory Jones is a bad quarterback or whatever. Anthony Richardson's the bigger guy. He's faster on his feet. 
I think he might have just about as good as arm as Emory Jones, probably better. He's a bigger guy, whatever. But he goes through his reads and progresses through his reads a lot better than Emory Jones. I just saw him lead a team that was down by almost three touchdowns and looked checked out and came back and almost won them the football game. And usually when a quarterback can energize his offense and energize his players around him to, to lead a spark into offense to get these guys back in the football game, usually the defense comes out with fire and wants to get a stop. You didn't see that. Every time it seemed like Anthony Richardson scored, Florida would just give up another touchdown on defense, and Anthony Richardson would have to roll back out there. And there's no question in my mind right now, if you threw Anthony Richardson out there at the beginning of the game and let him play all the way to the end, Florida could have scored at least 60 or 70 points on LSU. Well, yes, probably. But you have to take it for what it is, and that is, you know, he he played in the second half, and, you know, we don't know. We don't know what changes LSU would have made. Um it just, you know, you got away from the running game and it didn't work when it was because your offensive line was getting dominated. Um, Emory didn't do himself any favors and taking it and, and going and then throwing interceptions either. Um, it just, uh, it wasn't a good game plan in the game. Um, it wasn't, I mean, you look at what Kentucky did to LSU two weeks ago. They lined up and just said, hey, I'm going to push you around. Yeah. Florida didn't even try it. Florida didn't even try it a bit. Um, it just, it, it, it just, uh, I think the the problem has been masked a little bit, you know, with Kyle Trask, with Kadarius Tony, with Kyle Pitts. Um, I think the problem's been masked a little bit, and that is that there's just not a ton of talent around these guys. Um, and, and I mean, yes, I mean Anthony Richardson is better. I mean, right now he's playing better football. Um, uh, I don't, again, I don't know why the whole playbook isn't coming out for one quarterback for the other. My thing is, is if you trusted Emory so much to be your starting quarterback the last few years, I mean, the last few games, and you knew Emory was going to be your starting quarterback the last few years, why is he not getting the full playbook right now? Yeah. <laughs> I, I just don't understand that. That just doesn't make sense to me. Emory's in year three of the system, or year four of the system, and you're telling me he doesn't have the trust to run the full playbook? That doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Uh, and you saw, I guess you I guess you make a good point, because you kind of saw that in the Kentucky game towards the last two drives. You saw that the playbook was starting to be more opened up for Emory Jones, and Emory Jones was able to drive 250-yard drives down the field. You know, couldn't punch it into the end zone either time, but you saw a difference in in offense. And I guess you could kind of say that when Anthony Richardson had rolled out there. Now, do you honestly think here too? Uh, do you think Dan Mullen's just tired of hearing the fans saying, "Oh, well, where's Richardson?" So he just said, "Okay, look, I'm going to open up the playbook with Richardson, and I'll let you see how he does." And I think it kind of blew up in Dan Mullen's face because uh, Anthony Richardson kind of led the team almost to a victory. I mean, do you do you think are you thinking kind of the same way that I'm thinking a little bit? Oh, I don't want to buy into conspiracy theories. I, I'm not uh, trying to. Yeah, I'm not trying to throw anything yeah, out there wanna, that would throw people off. I'm just saying. In my, it, I'm kind of thinking that way, but I'm not saying that that's exactly. Well, what's going I, I think here's the thing, and that is, you were also throwing a, a, you know, a scenario in that game where you didn't have a choice. 
You was either yeah. opening that playbook up or you were about to get really run out of the building. And 49-42 would have looked better than what would have happened had you not, you know, pulled off the playbook. Um, That's the thing, though. Like, it takes us almost losing a game for Dan Mullen to open up the playbook. Why? Yeah. Why can't well, we just- and I think some post-game comments to David were concerning to me. And, and this is – Yeah, I was going to mention some of those. I got some of those. Down. This is where – this is where the frustration sets in for a lot of people. He said after the game, and and I'm, I'm, um, I'm not quoting him, you know, word for word here. Um, he said the best play of the game was Emory Jones coming in in the fourth quarter when Anthony Richardson had a bloody finger and completing yeah. a third and eighteen. Right. That was yeah. the best play. Did that show Emory had guts? Did that show Emory? you know, didn't pout on the sideline. Yeah, it did. And and here's the thing. I never would have thought Emory Jones would have pouted on the sideline. That's not Emory Jones. That, that's just not the person he is. His mama would beat him if he did that. His, right. his mama taught him better than that. Um. So, no. But that wasn't the best play of the game. It wasn't the best play of the no. game. Uh, and by no means, you know. And then, you know, instead of saying, hey, Anthony did a good job, he made sure to say, well, both quarterbacks did some good things and some bad things. Okay. There's two ways to look at that. Hey, I never expect Dan Mola to say anything bad about a player because if that's the case, you've lost your team. And right. good football, good coaches in general don't do that. But that was an opportunity to give Anthony a little bit of confidence. Yeah. Yeah. And confidence is huge. And, you know, I, I shouldn't even say this because people are going to laugh and get mad, but, you know, Jim McElwain always used to be very careful about giving praise, but he would always praise the young guy to an extent without going overboard. And that was an opportunity there to give Anthony Richardson some praise and it didn't happen. And I, you know, and then he says, you know, he's got to evaluate who his starting quarterback is. And Hey, I, I get that. I get that. You don't want to name Anthony Richardson starting quarterback after that game. Is there really anything to evaluate? <laughs> right, but you can't after that game because if you do, then you right. you 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 set a standard, um, especially for Emory, that, okay, you had a bad game, you're benched. And you can't set that standard to say, to say that. So I, I get not naming a starting quarterback. Now, it's different than naming a starting quarterback Saturday after you lose to LSU than it is running him out against Georgia in two weeks in Jacksonville. Anthony Richardson better be running out as your starting quarterback. Yeah, yeah. You, I, I, I hate to talk bad about Emory Jones. I'm not really trying to talk bad about Emory Jones. I'm just saying, if Emory Jones waltzes out there starting quarterback against Georgia and Jacksonville, we have no chance. I mean, we, we just don't. I don't think we do. You got Anthony Richardson out there. Granted, I still think Georgia wins the football game. You don't game, have no but, chance, period. But, but Anthony Richardson gives you the better chance to win the football game. But I mean, that, if that's, that's what you want to do, I mean, if you want to take some moral victories of getting better <laughs> chances out there, David, hey, cool. He's, he's, he's going to need some experience. Put him up against that defense, man. Whatever. <laughs> if you I'm think this offensive it. line's blocking that Georgia defensive line, <laughs> I, I I have some. Uh, do you want him injured? Ocean front, I have some oceanfront property in the middle of Iowa that I'll sell you for a great deal. Come on, man. You know, this offensive line's been playing okay. Not too bad. All right. Okay. 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 I couldn't say that with a serious face. Anyway, yeah, I was um, going to say. Are they playing middle school teams? 
Uh, yeah, in the press conferences, uh, you want to go a little over press conference notes, quotes that I, that I actually took, you know, that I actually well, saw. Well, um, yeah, Rick- I mean, oh. I want to say this real quick. And that is, you know, you, you have your post-game press conference, and I get, I get that, um, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm trying to say this, be politically correct here and give Dan credit here. He answered the questions. Do you expect to get a ton? No. First of all, he was pissed, which is a good thing. Um, So you don't expect to get, you know, a lot of answers. um, But some of his answers just go back to what we said in the past. And that is Dan Mullen fumbles at the mouth more than any football coach I've ever seen in press conferences. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I wasn't actually. I was actually going towards a couple of things that some of the players had said. Uh, Anthony Richardson. He was asked, well, start with Dan. Start with Dan and his Grantham comments. Oh man, I see. I was so upset, man. I didn't even watch some of the post game press. I did. Watch, well, here you go. I got you, Dan. I watched some of the ones from the players because I wanted to see what the players thought and how they felt and how their emotions were going. I was so pissed off at Dan Mullen. I didn't even want to hear him. I did not want to hear what Dan Mullen had to say at all, or even Todd Grantham. I was I was that angry. So I was just like, I want to hear what the players have to say because okay. the, the, the players are the ones being coached by these guys. And these guys yeah. aren't living up to a standard of coaching. So I want to see what the players feel. So I was well, more interested. Here, here's in the that Mullen had. You have to understand that he's not going to throw anybody under the bus. But he did say his impression of Todd Grantham did not change after the game on Saturday. Now, oh, yeah. I, I, I didn't expect anything less than him to say that because if he did, guess what? The social media would have been on storm and him and Grantham would have never been able to work together again. And then, you know, he was asked if he would make a midseason change, and he said he doesn't like to do that, um, and he would evaluate everything at the end of the year. Um, People took that uh, the wrong way. First of all, I don't know what you really gain from making a midseason change because you're not going to change your defensive philosophy in the middle of the season. You're definitely not going to do it before Georgia game. So I don't – I'm one of those that, like, I'm kind of whatever on midseason changes um that quote was there you know and then you know he he had the quote you know where where he talked about that he thought his team was ready to play your team wasn't ready to play i'm sorry um go ahead with some player player comments yeah uh i was just gonna go back to what anthony richardson alluded to but then he did make a post on twitter later uh kind of confirming that he was still you know, he said this. He was just like, I can't really. Uh, he was asked about uh, fans worrying about him transferring. And he said, I can't really speak on that. Time is the only thing that tells. Right now, I'm a Gator, and that kind of set bad with fans because they're just like, time will tell. What are you talking about here? But then he did go back on Twitter and he did say that he was a Florida Gator, and for people not to take what he said out of context or anything like that. So I guess that's kind of good coming from Anthony Richardson. But when you look at it, though, you know. Uh, like it goes back to what we were talking about. If you start one of these guys, one of them's going to transfer. Is Here's either, the thing for me, David. Is Emery or Anthony going to transfer? Which one is that it? question? That question should not have been asked. I don't even I know did. who asked it. I don't know either. I didn't. I didn't watch Anthony. I mean, uh, Anthony Richardson's press conference after the game. Uh, I was busy writing. Uh, that question should not have been asked. It's not the time nor the place to ask that question. Uh, that's an emotional loss, and. Uh, 
Anthony, if I was Anthony Richardson, I should, I would have responded and said, no, I'm going to be the starting quarterback in the University of Florida. Yeah. I mean, well, yeah. It, it, he's young. He's a young kid. I think it's what his right. first time being in pressers this year. Because they don't usually yeah. let freshmen be in pressers their, their first Yeah, year. I mean, yeah, you don't really get to be until you play. So, yeah. um, I believe that's – he might have talked after the USF game. I can't remember. But it's one of the first few times he's talked, yeah. Okay. Um, uh, I, I also noted down some of what Muhammad Diabate was being asked and questioned. Uh, he was asked if he was confident in the defensive scheme. <laughs> His quote, I'm confident in my teammates' ability to play hard. I'm confident in my teammates. Said nothing about the coaching staff, said nothing else. And I thought it was kind of funny. And I, I don't, like I said, I don't try to read too much into what the players say, especially like you said, after a game, but you kind of got to wonder, man, like, has some of these guys just kind of checked out because of the coaching staff? Or is it Well, that really... comes from a guy in Diabate, who's one of the most respectful people. Very low-key, calm guy. And for him to say that, just tells you everything you need to know. And yeah. the thing for me is this. That's not just directed at Grantham. That's directed at his position coach, too. And his position coach is a really good recruiter. But his linebackers haven't developed in four years. I, I, can you blame him though? I mean, that's no. That's, I wouldn't blame him at all. I mean, you're, you're about to get heat for two weeks because you lost to LSU. Yeah, and you let him rush. Make sure for, everybody takes the blame. You let him rush 321 yards. Yeah. <laughs> so now here's the thing for bro- me. Broke a record. Here's the thing for me to Diabate. Do you need the coaches to 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 get it? You know, to break it down to a T. When does instincts as a player? and a linebacker take over and you start reading that and you taking over that. So yeah, yeah. take it, take it both ways. Uh, After that horrible performance on rushing, I went ahead and dug up a stat here. Florida total throughout the whole year has given up almost a thousand yards rushing on the ground in six games, seven games. Yeah, that's seven games, yeah. Which that wouldn't be bad if it, you, you know, take away the what three, what was it? 340? Yeah. If you take away yeah. the 321 that LSU 321, got. 321, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it knocks it down one-third. So Florida gave up one-third almost of its all-total rushing yards all season in one game. 321. That running back for LSU had 287 yards just by himself. <laughs> that is ridiculous. That, that is, is an LSU record. That is a, it's a UF and LSU record. I think that is a record for that whole rivalry. If you don't, I mean, it's the most Florida's ever given up since Herschel Walker. I mean, it just kind of is what it is. I mean, this is a a team who it was bad. That was really, really, really bad. Um, And and, and, uh, gave up 220 yards rushing in the second half, 43 yards passing in the second half. Uh, LSU did not throw a pass from the middle of the third quarter until the end of the fourth quarter. I think Will Miles, and credit to him, I think he said something earlier that said LSU had 499 rushing yards all season, went for 320 yards versus Florida. <laughs> Ouch. And, and and you know what's funny? I think LSU only threw uh, one pass the second half. Yeah. I mean, they had – well, they had 43 yards passing in the second half. Uh, and, uh, you know, they threw a couple passes in the second half. Um but it was like the end of the – I mean, middle of the third to the end of the fourth um, before they threw a pass. And 
I think it was that touchdown pass. I think it was a touchdown pass on fourth and goal was the first one they had through since the middle of the third. So, um, I, I don't, I don't know, David. I, I, I really, I mean, Florida is two and six in their last eight games against Power Five opponents. Uh, he's oh, Dan's. Dan's now one in three against uh, Orgeron. Oof. Yeah, it's just not good, man. Yeah, you're... I, 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 I don't know. And, and here's the thing for me. And we're jumping a lot of different places. So follow along, guys. Because we're sorry. angry. We're, we're angry. Yeah. I, well, there's just a lot to talk about here. And we're going to get more into this later in the week. Um, we're going to have Eric Fawcett on, who can talk basketball, and then we'll get more into this in, later in the week, too. But this is, a, this is the dividing road for this program. Yeah. And, you know, supporter for Dan – is losing quick, really quick for Dan. Um, the Kentucky loss and now two LSU losses that you should not have had. I, you can't – I can't tell you the program's headed in the right direction, David. No. Because it's a lie. Yeah. And I, I posted this, my final thoughts. I did a final thoughts Twitter post last night because it was up till 2 in the morning just gathering my thoughts and just – being all over the place and getting everybody else's thoughts. I said, so far this year, Florida has lost games by two points and seven points twice. Florida's competing but not getting the job done when it counts the most. I said, you can blame tackling, defense, turnovers, penalties, bad calls. At the end of the day, you have to close out close games, and that's what separates the elite coaches from the good coaches from the bad coaches. you got to close out close games. Am I not wrong? No, not wrong at all. Not wrong at all. And Florida, for the first time under Dan Mullen, will not be ranked in the AP poll. Right. Yeah, the last time Florida was unranked was when a different head coach was here, peanut butter and jelly, Jim McElwain. Guy recruited. <laughs> yeah, the, the guy that uh, Dan Mullen used all his recruits to win games. Isn't that, isn't that a funny story as well? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's just a lot that – there's just a lot that goes on, and I don't, I, I don't know that, I, I don't know the answers right now, because there's so much issues within this program. Yeah, you're not going in the right direction, and I know some people have said, "Well, this was supposed to be a rebuilding year." Screw that! You don't have rebuilding years at the University of Florida. You're in year four of your program. We're not rebuilding. These were your guys that you brought in, and they're not working out. These are your two quarterbacks. Yeah, They're not working out. This is your coaching staff. They're not working out. Your recruiting staff, they're not working out. It's – I'm not in that fire Dan Mullen thing. I'm not there yet. Drastic. And not just Todd Grantham. Changes have to be made, period. Some of your buddies have to be made. You're not winning championships with John Hevesy as your offensive line coach. No. You're not winning championships with Todd Grantham as your defensive coordinator. You're not winning championships with other guys on that defensive staff and offensive staff. You're not winning games with piss-poor recruiting. Yeah. And that's what it is, piss-poor. 
Yeah. So, and we we brought Dan Mullen here to fix all assets of the game. A, a good head coach is good in four assets of the game: offense, defense, special teams, and recruiting. When Dan Mullen came here, he improved offense. Defense drastically took a dive. Special teams is non-existent. Recruiting took a little bit of a dive as well. So right now, you're only winning on one side of the football: offense. As far as well, offense goes, as far as offense goes, I'm okay with that. The thing is, though, and, and I had this discussion with somebody else because we were talking about past coaches. I said, okay, well, look at Will Muschamp real quick. And I'm not saying Will Muschamp needs to come back and be the head coach of Florida, so don't even throw that one out there because that's what they were trying to dig at towards me. And I was like, no, I do not want Will Muschamp back here as head coach. But Will Muschamp, he had a fire. He had an attitude. He wanted to win. He just, he just couldn't, find, he couldn't find a good offensive coordinator. He tried to take over the offense, and he just needed to quit being stubborn, and that was his issue. But defense was great. It was elite. Recruiting was elite. Special teams, pretty good. Andre DeBose was pretty good punt returner. Um, offense, non-existent. Offense is what killed Will Muschamp. But in three assets of the game, he won. Granted, we're going to say he lost to Georgia Southern. He had a bunch of injuries. There's still no excuse. But Will Muschamp had three out of four assets of the game right. And he didn't get all four assets of the game right. And he wasn't a championship coach. But when Jim McElwain came to town, Jim McElwain couldn't do anything. He rode off of Will Muschamp's defense for three years and then eventually got fired. So now you insert Dan Mullen, who had Jim McElwain's recruits, improves the offense. The defense was still pretty elite when, when he, had, he had gotten here, but when Todd Gratham took over, it gradually got worse. So now, he said, you're only winning one facet of the game, and that's offense. And you're not going to win championships just winning one facet of the game. No. And the thing is, is this. Support for Dan is going quick. Oh, Read yeah. this quote from Joey Ivy. He tweeted this after the game. Go ahead. And it's... Uh, Former player for Florida now. Yeah. Dan Mullen's ego is going to ruin his career. I honestly can't stand him and how he carries himself. Now, I've seen the comments. Joey Ivy didn't play for Dan Mullen. I bet Joey Ivy would love Will Muschamp to come back. Joey Ivy don't know what's going on. Stop. <laughs> Joey Ivy's a former Gator. Joey Ivy wants the Florida Gators to win football games more than anybody out there. As much as anybody out there. Yeah. Joey Ivy has buddies who either still at Florida, you know, as far as people that were there, um, in support staff and different things like that. Joey Ivy has buddies who play for Mullen at Mississippi State. Joey Ivy's been around the program at Florida a little bit. Joey Ivy's opinion's not the only opinion that says that. Yeah. That opinion's out there. That opinion is why Todd Grantham is still the defensive coordinator at Florida this year. Ego. Yeah. It's got to be checked. People say, oh, Steve Springer had an ego. Steve Spurrier would would fire his wife if his wife couldn't get the job done on Saturdays. He, and he, you're and you're lying to yourself if you say that's not the truth. Steve Spurrier had the right type of ego, right? It, it, you can have ego in any kind of sport, any kind of thing that you do, as long as your ego is in check and it's it's the right ego to have. You can't right. have an ego going into everything thinking that you're going to improve this, you're going to improve that, and no matter what happens. It's still, it's still on the come up. That's the wrong right. type of ego to have. That's the kind of ego that Dan Mullen has. 
right. kind of ego Steve Spurrier had was the fact that, like, hey, if you're not getting the job done, I can find somebody else that can. I don't care. Right. I'll, I'll bench you if you throw four picks. I don't care if you're the starting quarterback. Right. That's kind of ego to have. Dan Mullen's offense and his game planning, game calling, sorry, it's great. Yeah. It's great. But his decisions off the field suck. Yeah. I, suck. I got a little angry last night, and I do apologize, but I did say this. I said, Dan Mullen is an overrated offensive coordinator being a head coach for a football team. <laughs> I was that pissed off, and I said that, which in my mind I'm thinking. I don't know that I agree with that, and I'm not calling you out. <laughs> no, I, it was bad. I should have never said that, but I was pretty pissed. <laughs> Dan Mullen is one of the best game callers out there, and I've said that. I love, love watching Dan Mullen against great football teams like Nick Saban and Kirby Smart. I absolutely love it. There's nothing better as a former football coach to watch him dissect opposing defenses that are so great. But then it's it's so frustrating to see bad defenses that he can't pick apart because, in my opinion, it's because he doesn't prepare enough for them. It's not consistent nope. enough for them. Um, but I'm also – tired of watching great football players just not come to Florida because they don't they don't mesh with this coaching staff. Yeah. Here's the thing. Shamar James visited Georgia on Saturday. Julian Humphrey, he's looking at Georgia hard. Uh Evan Stewart was back at Texas again on Saturday. Yeah. Your top recruits are looking elsewhere and you're not really giving them anything to look at for the hard for. You're in year four. What's your message to these guys? How can you sit in Evan Stewart's living room and say, hey, I need you. You'll be the person that gets me to the championship level. If I'm Evan Stewart, I look at him and say, what about the other four years of recruiting? Yeah. (laughs) If I'm Shamar James, I'm looking at Todd Grantham and say, why am I playing linebacker for you? Right. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) looking at just – the defense overall, man, um, it, it doesn't look good. <laughs> it doesn't look good at all. And it's gradually gotten worse this whole year. It, it, you know, you had hope in the Alabama game that this team was on the right track, even after losing a lot of key pieces. We didn't expect this team to be, you know, 11-1, and 12-0 at the beginning of the year. But we mm-hmm. didn't expect losses to Kentucky and a hobbled LSU. We didn't even know LSU was going to be this hobbled coming into the season. And I predicted that Florida... It was a toss-up between LSU and Florida. I didn't know LSU was going to have this many injuries. I didn't know LSU was going to be this far down. I expected Florida to win against LSU. I expected Florida to be at least, I think I predicted 10-2 and two before we even started the, the whole year and even started this. It, you look at it now, Florida's already lost Kentucky. They've already lost to LSU. You're thinking going into Jacksonville, there's no way we're going to win. So that's three losses. And, and right four. now, the way that this defense is playing, I'm worried about Florida State coming to Gainesville. Well, that's the thing that you – that's the problem that you have, and that is – I shouldn't be worried about Florida State. Well, well, that, but I don't know that I'm still worried about Florida State. But Florida State has four losses. Yeah, Florida State has four losses. You can't make fun of them. Yeah. Miami's a disaster. You can't make fun of them. So guess what? You still have not capitalized – on their downfalls. Right. Your your program 
after going to the SEC championship game and going to New Year's Six in air quotes for the last three years should be in better shape. Right. And it's not. Now, let me ask it's you this. Not. Let me ask you this question. Do you think Florida State or Miami could have came into LSU Tiger Stadium and won that game yesterday? Who's that? Uh, Florida State or Miami, do you think they could have came into LSU Tiger Stadium no. and won that game yesterday? No, no, okay. no, no. Well, and I say that because uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. Because... You think they would have gave up 300 yards rushing? No, 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 no. Yeah. But I also say this: I don't know that they would. I don't know that if they would or wouldn't have. I mean, LSU wasn't a good football team. They're still not a good football team. Neither was Kentucky. Kentucky no. um, was non-existent against Georgia yesterday. But a lot of teams have not have been non-existent against Georgia's defense. Uh, but I, I know we were going to read some of the Twitter folks' comments and some of the VIP boards' comments. Uh, a lot of fans pissed off yesterday, and rightfully so. And uh, uh, one of the comments, though, says immediate, replace Grantham, season change, change attitude of accountability for staff and players, offseason demand a shift in mindset for recruiting, and again, ensure more accountability from the top all the way down. Um, yeah, I mean, I agree. That's from at... Let me ask you this. Are we overlooking Nick Savage? Uh, I don't know. I think Nick Savage is a good strength and conditioning coach. To me, I think... I think it's just coaching. I think you got to put your players in a better position to win football games, and that's not and that's what you're doing. Is Florida as physical and in shape as other teams? Um, no. Well, I will say in Dan's first year, 2018, 2019, they looked they looked apart. Um, right now, it doesn't look like that. It looks like they're starting to, especially looking at that LSU game yesterday. It mm-hmm. looked like, yeah, it looked like they were just, I don't know if it was a mindset thing or if they were just, they were just done. I mean, so from my standpoint, I think part of it is they're mentally kind of checked out. I think maybe from a coaching standpoint, I don't know. That's just one of the opinions that I have. But at the same time, you don't see the same physicality that you saw from 2018 to 2019 that you saw from 2020 to 2021. And you make a good point. That third and fourth quarter, that defense was non-existent. It felt like the defense was either just tired or just wasn't mentally into the football game. I can't say whether it's mental or physical, but I know this from a, a physical aspect. The same team in 2020 and 2021 is night and day from the same team I saw in 2018 and 2019. That's just my opinion. Okay. Go ahead with comments. <laughs> uh, this one's from at Donald Lipscomb. Need at least four people replaced, and Mullen needs a serious gut check on how he runs the program. I think we kind of commented a little bit on that one. These are just fan quotes. These aren't quotes that we're saying. So I'm just I, I'm just trying to get a fan's perspective here. Um, at uh, This is actually from Ken Zingini, one of my buddies out there on uh, Twitter and on Facebook. He says, Dan proves yet again he values loyalty over winning. What about that? What do you think? You think he's more of a loyal guy? Uh, my, my opinion on that one now is this. Uh, you're Dan Mullen, right? And you have your friends there. You're paying your friends good money to help coach this program. But they're also costing you these close games. They're also costing you losses. They're also costing you going into a press conference trying to make excuses for them consistently on a consistent basis from 2020 to 2021. At the end of the day, this is your contract. This is your money. Is having your friends more important than having your job? I think the answer will be yes. That's just, I don't know. That's... I couldn't fathom running my own business, hiring my best friend to be the CEO, hiring my other best buddy to be the GM, the other guy to be the the the, the big manager, warehouse manager, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and, you know, 
got profits the first two years, right? And then you start seeing profits sink around year three, year four, year five. And you look into the, and you look into your job and you're like, well, my best friend is CEO is not really doing a good job here. We've been losing money for the past three years here and this, and, and you're evaluating it. And me as a CEO, I don't care how good of a friend you are. I don't care if you're family, if you're not getting the job done. I'm finding somebody else I can do it. It's my Listen, money. Listen, I want to win I, too, man. You see it on Bar Rescue a lot where these guys, they own these bars and they hire their best buddies and their best buddies are costing them money and they call John Taffer in there to rescue the bar and they can't let go of that relationship. I kind of feel the same way with Dan Mullen. I want to win too bad, man. I'd fire anybody if it meant me winning and that's the honest to God truth. I just, I, I want to win, man. I'm sorry. I want to win too bad. I'm too competitive and... You know, it would be different if the man had won with these guys. But what has he ever won as the head coach when he's had John Hevesy, Greg Knox, and Billy Gonzalez on his team? Nothing. New Year's Six Bowl games. He's won those. <laughs> okay. He didn't win anything. How many championship rings? SEC. Zero. Or national championships does he have? And the zero. answer is zero. Because he didn't have any. Yeah, well, if you look at and it's funny, if you look at the losses from last year and this year, every game has been within three points, six points, seven points, except for the Oklahoma game. Well, we already know what happened in that Oklahoma game. You've got to close out close games, just like I said before. That's how you be that that's what makes a good coach elite is getting to these close games and figuring out a way to win these games. No matter whether your defense is playing putrid or not, you find a way to win these football games. Dan Mullen hasn't found well, I mean, a way it, to win it, close it, games against elite teams. If you, I mean, it, you know, there, there's no taking up for Todd Grantham. But at the same time, how do you only score 13 points in the first half? Yeah, oh, yeah that's true. I mean. I'm not taking up for Todd because his defense sucks. But you only <laughs> scored 13 points in the first half. I mean, that's not very good. First of all, your special, why, how you missed a, a PAT again, that's, you know, whatever, okay. I heard a stat yesterday. Though Georgia had missed their first PAT yesterday in like 523 tries. Six kickers had came through Georgia without missing a PAT until they missed one last night. Yeah, here's another good stat from Georgia. Uh, Georgia has given up 46 points this season. Florida gave up 49 points to LSU today. That was from oh. CBS Sports. <laughs> oh, that's gross. <laughs> that's a that's hard, gross. hard pill to swallow right there. Yeah, that's gross. I mean... Again, you take one step forward, three steps backwards. Yeah. Just always is with this program. Uh, he was asked that after the game, and he said, yeah, we got to get some we, – we fixed one problem, and it seems like something else pops up. Yeah, that's right. That's I'm going to go with your program. That's problem with your program. Go take a, a, a few comments here from the Gator Country VIP boards. I did a little bit of Twitter. and uh, This is from Shade45 here on the Gator Country uh, boards here. Uh, said, here's my opinion. I don't think it makes sense to retain a head coach that you have to force to fire an awful DC and force to recruit better. If he has to be forced to do those things, he obviously doesn't have what you want at a program and wants to be elite, assuming UF wants to be. However, the first step is moving on from Grantham and the offensive line coach. We are really irrelevant. He said, I am O, which means, I don't know what that means, irrelevant <laughs> in the SEC right now. I guess yeah. that means in my opinion. That's it. See, look, I learned that real quick. I'm not good with internet lingo, man. I'm, a, I'm an old school guy. Um, he's right. He's yeah. right. If you got to force somebody to do something, 
getting paid seven million dollars should not force anybody to do anything. And this one's from Gator three zero three three nine. And the irony of it all will be accused of quote unquote running off another coach. Yet he is the one doing a mediocre job, and frankly doesn't deserve the job right now. However, I'm okay with another year if I don't have to hear Grantham's name again. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you that. Wise AD once said this, and I go back to this. Don't let the fear of a coaching search get in the way of a decision that needs to be made. Hey, baby steps, Andrew. Baby steps. <laughs> I, I, the, the thing for me is it's clear, and that is drastic changes have to be made. Not one guy is responsible for it. Yeah. It, it's this just- is a program in general, and I'm getting fired up again, that cannot recruit. Cannot. Cannot recruit. And, cannot uh, recruit. Cannot recruit. You, you know, Jaden Gibson's a, a you know a great pickup. Cool. Clap your hands. You got one. Yeah. You should have a class full of those guys. Yeah. You should have Evan Stewart along with him, make a good wide receiver class. I I, I heard I, and I saw something about Ajia Hall earlier today. Uh, he has took off all of his Alabama stuff on Twitter. Oh, he's pissed. He tweeted after the game something like, "I'm done. I quit." Yeah, so um, that was a guy that you were in contention for, and Alabama stole him away from you, and that was an elite wide receiver. I believe he was a five-star wide receiver, to be honest. But there again lies the issue. You're going to go to the transfer portal, and you're going to grab him, and you're going to think everything's going to be good. He quit on his football team. Yeah, and then you're going to bring him to the University of Florida, and he's going to quit on you if he doesn't get his way either. Right. So, yeah, I, that's the thing. you got to get these guys out of high school. You have to get them out of high school. you got to stop relying on the transfer portal to plug holes to Band-Aid issues that you could not get done in recruiting. That's exactly what Dan Mullen's using the transfer portal for. Look at Justin Transfer Shorter. portal should be a couple things. should be to fill holes that are due to guys leaving early that you didn't expect, guys getting injured, and to fill a hole or two. You know, um, Urban did a good job when he was at Florida, you know, of going and getting some grad transfers. That was when the whole grad transfer came. Ryan Smith was one of them, you know, the uh, cornerback who started. That was a big one. You know, you see um, Nick Saban. He's done that a couple of times where he's went and got a couple guys. But you cannot expect your leading guys on your team to be those guys. Right now, Florida's expecting Justin Shorter to be their guy. And it's not happening. They're expecting Stuart Reese to be their guy on the offense line. It's not happening. They're expecting three uh, transfer defensive tackles to fill a hole that they haven't recruited worth a crap for at defensive tackle. It's not happening. Yeah. See, this is what happens when you rely on the transfer portal to fill holes. You you uh, don't fill those holes, and and an LSU team runs over three hundred yards rushing on your on your defensive line, and your I guess your and the thing is too. is this. Once again, you played with about 55 healthy guys if you're LSU. Yeah. And you still won. Yeah. You know why? Because LSU recruits elite every year. So they have yeah. good quality depth. This team yeah. does not have good quality elite depth. And, I, and that's, not, that's not me pissing on the players. I mean, you've got to develop the players. The problem is at a star level, at a high school recruiting level, this team does not have elite depth. They just don't. They, they have to rely on everybody staying healthy every year to even have a minute chance to compete with all these other teams. Alabama can, can have 12 to 13 injuries and still be able to put up 40 points per game. LSU, you saw it. They had 12, 13 injuries, still put up 49 points against Florida. 
what they come to Gainesville last year with? Like 49 healthy players or something? Yeah, and um, they, they and won. still scored 37 points. The thing is this, David, and that is, you know, at Mississippi State, once every four years, Mullen was good when he had a team full of just senior-lated guys. That's cool at Mississippi State. It's not cool at Florida. No. <laughs> this is the University of Florida in this fan base and also the university as a whole is just completely different when you come to the SEC. Florida and the fans and everybody around them expect championships. They don't expect excuses. They don't expect last, lackluster recruiting. And they expect elite defenses every year because Florida's historically had elite defenses. And you're not getting that right now. And that's an issue. And, and, and fans and, and people on Twitter and social media are pissed off and they have a right to be. At the end of the day, you got to execute in all four facets of the game, like I said. But you know. I'm going to end it with this, and then we'll be back next week or later in the week. Um, we'll bring Eric Fawcett on. We'll talk some basketball, and then we'll uh, talk more about, you know, just things that got to change. But I'm going to end it with this, uh, David, and it's pretty self-explanatory. It's pretty direct, and it's the truth in my opinion, and that is the ball's in your court, Dan. For the next two weeks, the ball's in your court. For the next couple of months until spring practice next year, the ball's in your court to change. To change who you're surrounded by, to change the culture, to change the program from top to bottom, and to get better. I'm not on the fire Dan Mullen train, but I am on the it make changes Dan Mullen train. And the ball's in his court. Against Georgia? Need to see a better football team. Need to see a team that's prepared. Need to see a team that's looked in the mirror and found out who the best 22 guys are. Well, 33 guys, including special teams, and figure out how to play. Yeah, Ball's in your court. Yeah, and, and if you look at the past games that Georgia's had against teams, they're killing everybody on special teams. I don't know how many blocked punts and blocked kicks I have seen from this Georgia team. I, I swear it's got to be three or four. And they got some three to four hundred pound guys that line up on special teams that come right on after you, and they they block field goals and, and, and all of that. So Georgia's going to come into Jacksonville wanting to massacre Florida. Uh, Georgia and, and me living here in Georgia and the fans and the players they don't like Florida. Florida's dominated them for the past what was it twenty to thirty years. They hate Florida right now, and you think that they're not going to want to avenge a loss from last year where you seemingly put up thirty eight points and one half on their defense. They're going to come after you. They're the number one team in the nation for a reason. They want to go to a national championship. They haven't won a national championship in over 40 years. They're tired of hearing the 1980 jokes. They're tired of, of Florida always messing up their season. They're going to come in there, and they're going, to want to, they're going to want to beat the tar out of you. And from what they've seen, 321 rushing yards, this team with the running backs that they have and that offensive line, they're going to want to run the ball down your throat. And I guarantee you that's exactly what they're going to do when they come to Jacksonville. I guarantee you Stetson Bennett will not throw the football on the first couple of series. I guarantee you that. And Florida can't stop anything. Even when they get contact, they're getting dragged around like a paper bag, a wet paper bag. So, yeah, they're going to go into Jacksonville wanting to win that game. And, uh, you know, I wish I could read all these fans' comments and everything. There are so many comments on Twitter. I had like 35 comments. And, uh, you know, there was a ton of comments on the Gator Country boards. And, obviously, if if we wanted to run a four-hour podcast here, we could read them and give all of our opinions. But... Man, it, 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 this is just an emotional podcast here, man. I uh, didn't really go down any of the stats, but, uh, you know, 
I sat here last week, Spivey, and I'll end it on this, and I said, man, I'm not picking Justin Shorter. I can't rely on Justin Shorter anymore. He hasn't done anything. He's been silent all year. And lo and behold, man, the first week I don't pick Justin Shorter, he leads the team in all-purpose yards this game, 113 all-purpose yards. Right behind him, the guy that you picked, I believe, Damian Pierce, 79 all-purpose yards. Spivey yeah. just keeps taking it to me, picking players every week. It was uh, it was a good week uh, for certain few of our players, but yeah, um, we'll uh, we'll do that. We'll uh, we'll ask for some questions on uh, on the podcast for later in the week on the message boards, and uh, maybe take a couple from Twitter as well. And uh, we'll plan to do that for Friday's podcast uh, since we're going through a bye week. So uh, yeah, getting ready. Uh, go Braves. Uh, oh, one and oh, um, we're, we're taping this on Sunday and they're one and oh in the NLCS. Yeah. Uh, who, who was it that hit that double last night? To Austin Riley, Austin Riley with a double in the bottom of the ninth and a two to two tie game. Hits the double wins the game for the Atlanta Braves. So they're up one and oh now. So now they got to win right. what, three more games and then they win the series. They go to Nat, uh, world series, world series. That's after right. this. Woke my wife up. She was not very happy, but uh, it's okay. <laughs> It's okay. It's okay to wake your wife up if there's a win. Now, if there's a loss, then it just makes it two times worse because now your wife's mad at you and you're and you're crying because you lost. So. That's right. <laughs> anyway, folks, uh, sorry we're going off a little bit off the whim today. Just a really upsetting loss here against LSU, forty-two to forty-nine. Uh, just a lot of questions from the you know going around the university, the fans, the coaches, from a coaching aspect to a fans aspect. A lot of upset fans out there. Uh, a lot of them calling for Dan Mullen's head right now. I guess whatever. I mean you. We expect it. I mean, we expect way better results here at the University of Florida. I can't blame the fans for thinking the way that they think. Uh, We're just going to have to see what happens in two weeks when they go to Jacksonville in the cocktail party against a team, like I said, that's only given up 46 points the whole year. And, yeah, I'm just going to leave it at that. But, anyway, if Spivey, you ain't got anything else, man, besides, uh, you know, your your smiling face over there for your Braves, we can go ahead and close this one out, man. Yeah, man, we'll close it out and be back on Friday. All right, folks, that'll wrap it up for this episode of the GatorCountry.com podcast. You can follow me at GC on Twitter. You can follow Andrew Spivey at Andrew Spivey GC on Twitter as well. That'll wrap it up, folks, for this episode of the GatorCountry.com podcast. Go Braves.